today um, is the second Sunday of Lent. And Lent is this this 40-day or 47-day period, however you want to look at it. Um, It's the 40 days leading up to Easter. And it's a time in the church when we prepare ourselves for Easter. It's a time of introspection when we we take some time and, and just kind of look at our lives, look at ourselves, look at our hearts. It's a time of of repentance, because I don't know about you, but when I start looking into my heart, I become aware of the fact that there are things that I need to repent of. There are things that I need to give to God. And so Lent is a time of surrender. And that can sound kind of burdensome, but surrender is an opportunity. It's, It's a blessing that God gives us. God gives us the opportunity to repent. God gives us the opportunity to come to him. And today we're going to walk through um, Genesis chapter 22. And I'm not necessarily going to read it from my Bible. Um, it's a story. And it's, it's this great story. But if you want to follow along, um, you can follow along in Genesis chapter 22. And we're looking at the story of Abraham. Now, Abraham um, was a man that God called, and he was living in Haran, this area over in the ancient Middle East, so kind of, you know, where we think about the Middle East being today, over in that area, Iran, Iraq, all of that. And God called to him, and God said, leave your family and come to the land I will show you. And Abraham did. He followed God. He and his wife, Sarah, followed God. And God blessed him in many, many ways. But there was one problem. Abraham had no children. And so when he died, one of his servants was going to inherit everything that he had amassed, everything that God had given him, this great wealth that God had given him, a servant was going to inherit. And and what about God's call on his life? Where was that going to go? without a son to carry it on. And, and so God worked in a miraculous way. And Sarah, when she, was, when she was old and she was past childbearing years, she had a son by the name of Isaac. And Isaac was a joy and a delight to his parents. He brought them great joy. And one day... Abraham was, was sitting there, or maybe he was standing there, maybe he was sleeping, we don't, we don't know. Um, but God called to him and said, Abraham. And Abraham answered him in the way that other people throughout Scripture have answered God. Jacob, Samuel. And he said, here I am. That was it. Abraham just simply said, here I am, God. You know, what do you want to say to me? I am listening. And God responded, and he said this. In Genesis chapter 22, he said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Why don't you listen to this next part? and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. 
Take your son, that son that you waited for all those years, that son that I promised you and that is precious to you. Take him. Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him on the mountain that I will show you as a burnt offering to me. Now, the thing about burnt offerings is, is that when the, when the Israelites would offer a burnt offering, and it was, it was never people, by the way, it was, it was always animals, everything would be burned up. There would be nothing left. So they'd, they'd have the altar, they'd put the wood on it, they'd put usually the lamb on, on the wood, and they would off, they'd light it on fire, they'd kill it, light it on fire, and offer it as a burnt offering to God. And when all of that was, was done, nothing would be left. God is basically say, saying to Abraham, Take this blessing that I have given you, take this promise that I have given you, your future. In many ways, you know, your, your obedience to me. Because Abraham had, had walked with God and, and had been obedient to God and been obedient to where God had been leading him and, and there was a, a plan. God said, sacrifice it all to me. So, what did Abraham do? Abraham got up and it tells us that early the next morning, he got up and he left. Now, as we read on, this was not just like a day's walk or like, you know, strolling down the street. This was a three-day journey on foot. If you've ever done a three-day journey on foot or you've gone anywhere for three days, you know, it's not something where if you can help it, if you know you're going, you know, you make preparations. And there were no Walmarts, there were no grocery stores, there were no places to stop. And so they had to take what they needed with them. They had to, you know, t- take, they even had to take the wood for the burnt offering. When Abraham had gotten everything ready and gotten the wood gathered up, everything they needed, they set off on this three-day journey. Abraham, Isaac, and two of Abraham's servants, the four of them. And they walked towards Mount Moriah. It says on the third day, Abraham looked up, and he could see Mount Moriah, the mountains of Moriah in the distance. Kind of an interesting thing, the mountains of Moriah, if you want to know where the mountains of Moriah are today, do you know where Jerusalem is? That's where the mountain of Moriah is. It's the same area, that same place. The mountains of Moriah is the area of Jerusalem. But there was no city there at that time. There was no Jerusalem. It was different. And they looked up, and and Abraham saw the mountain in the distance. He saw the place where God had told him to go. And he told the two servants, he said, you wait here. Isaac and I will go on. And then he said something interesting. And when we are done, we will come back to you. Abraham had faith. Abraham and Isaac went on. Abraham took the wood that they'd brought from home. He 
loaded it on to Isaac. And Isaac carried the wood for the sacrifice. Fast forward a couple thousand years. There's another lamb walking up in the region of Moriah, carrying wood for the sacrifice on his back. It's Jesus carrying the cross on his back, the perfect sacrifice. But Isaac and, and Abraham go on, and Isaac's he's not a little kid at this point. You know, he's probably at least a teenager. And he says, Father, the wood and the fire are here. Abraham had the knife and he had the fire. The wood and the fire are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham responded. He said, the Lord will provide. Now, if that word, provide, I want to tell you something about it. If you look in the original language that the Old Testament was written in, it's, it's not the word provide necessarily. It's actually a word for see. And it's this idea that the Lord will see to it. The Lord will take care of it. The Lord sees we don't have a sacrifice. The Lord will see to it. There are lots of other places in the book of Genesis where that same word is used and and where God sees to it. It says, the Lord will see to it. So they go on and they they get to the place. Abraham builds an altar. Don't know exactly what it looked like. Probably took some stones. It's a mountainous area. Piled them up, put the wood down. took Isaac, his only son, his precious son. Now, the fact of the matter is, Abraham actually had other children. But it's a long story that I'm not going to get into today, and this is his child of the promise. This is God's promised child, his beloved child, and he puts him on the altar, and he takes the knife, And he's just about ready to kill Isaac. And an angel calls out and says to him this. In verse 15 of chapter 22, the angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, I'm getting goosebumps, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. I swear by myself. I swear by who I am. 
I am who I am. That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed, because you have obeyed me. How often, when we sacrifice something to God, are we looking to get something in exchange? God, if I do this, will you give me this? Or if I give up this, then you know, I'm going to kind of play God's hand here and he's going to give me this if I give up this. God is not to be manipulated. He is not a genie in a lamp that we can rub and get what we want. God is completely other. He is not to be controlled. In our lives, guess what? They're out of control, right? And our only response in the midst of those times when our lives are out of control, our only, it doesn't even seem like a rational response, but it is the only rational response, is to surrender our lives to God. Abraham had everything he wanted. He had the child of the promise. He didn't need anything from God. And yet he took that which was most precious and offered it to God. And God said, because you have done this, all nations on earth will be blessed through you. He doesn't say, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. Well, he does. Abraham is blessed. But here's, here's something. When we surrender to God, it's not just about us. It's about God. It's about being obedient to God. God calls us to obedience. He calls us to respond and trust and obedience to him. It's what we call worship. And when we surrender to God, one of the cool things that happens is that other people are blessed. God blesses other people through our surrender. Well, kind of the cool thing that, that happens in, in Genesis is that, 22, is that as Abraham and Isaac, you know, are there and, and God calls to Abraham, Abraham looks up. And God, and he sees a ram caught by its horns in a bush, in a thicket. And he goes and he takes it and he, he gets Isaac up off the altar. And he, they sacrifice the ram in this place. God saw to it. God provided. And it says of that place, the, the, the writer of Genesis makes a comment, and he says this. He says, on the mountain of God, it will be provided. God will see to it on his mountain. 
God did see to it. We fast forward a couple thousand years, and Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, comes walking up those same mountains of Moriah, carrying his cross, the wood for the sacrifice, on his back. And guess who gives his only begotten son, his precious son, for us and for our sins? But God the Father himself gives Jesus as the perfect sacrifice. There's this big story in Scripture that God is weaving, that God is telling. And it's all about bringing people into his family, bringing you and me into his family, that we might walk with him, that we might know him, that we might live in relationship with him, that we might know his forgiveness. But more than that we might know his forgiveness, that we might know his power in our lives. go to the end of the story in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7. And there's a, a throne in heaven. I'm not finding it, so I'm just going to tell it. I'm in Hebrews. I'm in the wrong book. There's a throne in heaven. And there's multitude, says, too numerous to count. From every tongue, tribe, and nation. People that speak all of these different languages. People from all over the world. This multitude of people gathered around the throne, worshiping the lamb. That looks as if it had been slain. Falling on their knees in worship. Abraham's family, the descendants of Abraham. Too numerous to count, worshiping the lamb that was slain for us, Jesus. Each one of us is invited to be a part of that family, is invited to be a part of that worshiping community. Each one of us is invited to join the story. Each one of us is invited to respond like Abraham. When God calls us, Barb, Paul, Pam, here I am.